0: Handle the truth. No, Jack, you can't handle the truth. See, the truth is that All Things Film offers the best value in free movie podcasts on the internet. That's right, free, as in it costs you nothing. Daily Grindhouse, Films and Swearing, a movie podcast. It was only a pound. La La Film, Maths, Movie Side UK, Podcast on Fire, and of course, Film Exploitation, the All Things Film podcast. All free and all available online. On iTunes, on the podcast app, on Stitcher, on TuneIn Radio, direct, or from www.allthingsfilm.co.uk.
1: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster.
0: See, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. All Things Film, the premium film, movie, podcast feed on the net. Welcome to Taiwan R15 on the Ghost Hill and the Fly Dragon Mountain. And uh, eloquently or not, this intro is uh, here to set up uh, that we are talking the following filmmakers. Films, uh, Ting, Shanxi's The Ghost Hill from 1971, and Chen Hung mings The Fly Dragon Mountain, also from 1971. And bringing these up as a multi-purpose, though, because they... Are part of my Taiwanese cinema viewing journey, as I've spoken of before, and both are in my mind underrated classics and underrated, really, due to recent, uh, in, in recent years, that has been its like first DVD exposure. So hopefully it'll go from underrated to classic, is my point. And it's also the multipurpose is also about Taiwan or taking a step back to Taiwan cinema swordplay in a bigger, better way. And uh, that is uh, what uh, we are here to do. These Taiwanese movies, although they were not Hong Kong movies, they had some juice, they had some few that could stack up with what Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest were doing, despite Taiwanese cinema industry being a little kid in terms of its size and maybe even means, talking budget. So what we have lined up for you are maybe not the classics of Taiwanese uh, Wu Xia Pian, but like You know, compared to the likes of Dragon Inn, but they are worthy for sure. I can tell you that already in terms of my opinion. But anyway, I am kind of being with me is writer, blogger, radio host, <laughs> chef, chef as well. He doesn't <laughs> only write on the internet; he writes words on the paper. There will be a a a, a papery thing with Todd Statman's words in it eventually, and he'll talk about that in a little bit. But say hi again. It's
1: crazy, yeah. It's like this thing you put it on a shelf, you open it up, and there's words in there. I don't, I don't know what to say about
0: that, but uh, hi, Ken. How are hi. you? It's good. It's good. Can you do an audiobook of that for my sake? Because I'm a horrible reader, so I, I, I assume your book will come out in audiobook form read by Stephen Fry or something.
1: Yeah, that would be good.
0: Well, as I, I
1: described it to someone recently, um, it, it's, it's actually a good bathroom read, I think, because it's one of those books that's... Very modular, you know, it's broken up into little sections, so it's convenient for reading little bits at a time, you know, so it's not a coffee table book, not a library type book, but yeah, more of a, you know, more of a bathroom book, uh, you know, get it, put it on your toilet, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun read. I think, I think even you, Ken, will, will, will be able to read it and enjoy it.
0: Oh, that's good. That that, that <laughs> must make it the
1: best book ever, if I. Yes, if, uh, even because I. it is in fact the best book ever.
0: All right, you you'll get to plug that in a little little bit again. So let's run through the contact information that is less interesting compared to that endeavor. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, Taiwan War. You're listening to that show on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcast dot firecom You find us, uh, our show. All the other shows and the bonus episodes on there. We've got uh, boobies, we've got ninjas, we've got anime, we've got Hong <laughs> Kong cinema, we've got everything essentially. And uh, we are also available uh, via the format that your kids might have heard of called email. I know you're on Snapchat and shit like that, kids, but uh, email still exists and uh, we have one podcast on fire at googlemail.com. We have uh, some uh, presences on Facebook. Our page, facebook.com forward slash puf network. Click and like. And for every tenth like, I, uh, I've been doing this for a while. For every tenth like on that page, I'll personally donate uh, a little bit something to a, a chosen charity. Uh, so, because I'm 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 into charity, so to say. I, that, that was not eloquent at all, but I like that I I like the fact that uh, you know I, if I have the available means to. Donate ever so slightly, then I will. And uh, thanks to uh, these likes, these every tenth likes, the page gets a little bit more exposure, hopefully. And those who clicked, that's the only effort they need to put through, yeah, uh, put in rather. And uh, so thank you very much for that. That has increased our likes, and uh, we'll donate. We have donated a fair chunk to charity as well. So there you go. Uh, we also have a discussion group. Type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar or follow the link on the page I just said. And follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I write about Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, ninja exploitation, Richard harrison exploitation, and every other genre across uh, across uh, Taiwanese uh, and Hong Kong cinema industry that you can think of at SoGoodReviews.com and I also do little video reviews, spoken video reviews at com and I tweet at Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Taiwan War is available on iTunes. Rate and subscribe and if you have the time, please leave a little little written comment about what you thought on the show. That'll do as a review. You don't need to write uh, several paragraphs to get through the review system at iTunes. Uh, so uh, thank you very much to you who have done so and uh, please please do so and you can also stream us on stitcher radio if you don't like downloading podcasts to your computer or your device and that is available on stitcher.com yes but the smoothest way to listen to us is via their application available to uh, various devices such as the iphone and ipad as well as android i believe and once you're in stitcher type in taiwan noir and add us to your favorites and i think there's a comment system on there as well so comment away and finally, from my side, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles is the Jesus Perez Melina run blog. they occasionally updates with Taiwanese movie, what what, it, what we call Taiwan black movies posts. So his uh, uh, his uh, posts on those kind of movies. Uh, uh, are available in our uh, link section, so check them out. Uh, you have a few endeavors, my friend Todd. I want to talk primarily about the book. What's it called again? What's it about for those, of you who, those who didn't listen to the last episode? Uh,
1: okay, oh, but first I wanted to mention that we also have a telegraph operator on duty to receive your messages in Morse <laughs> code. Um, my book is called Funky Bollywood the wild world of 1970s indian action cinema and that's and that's what it's about and right now it's slated for release uh in uh well we have a launch event scheduled for september 21st so i'm hoping it's it's out by then cuz that might be a little embarrassing otherwise um but, uh, as I was saying, it's, it's, what it's about is in the title is about Indian action films of the 70s, which are awesome. It should be a really fun book and I hope everybody buys it. We just uh, put up a Facebook page for it yesterday and getting a lot of positive response on that. So that's exciting.
0: Hey, hey, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What's the premium Indian action movie you would recommend to a completely Fresh viewer to Bollywood cinema. Is there uh, like an easy uh, gate, uh, easy entryway into uh, the 70s stuff?
1: A lot of people tend to like Dawn, which is D-O-N. That's a great Amitabh Bashan one with, uh, sort of a godfather influence, but it's got, it's got all everything that makes these movies great. It's got really funky music, some pretty exact over-the-top action, and lots of attitude, and lots of groovy 70s threads. That's a good one. Uh, Cholet is a classic curry western, has a lot of, uh, uh, Leone influence, definitely. That's a good one. I'm just going to name three. And then probably my favorite of all time is a movie called Gita Miranam, which I've reviewed for Teleport City, which is a, an awesome action action film with kick-ass women. And uh, Faraz Khan, who's one of the great the great uh, action stars of Indian cinema. So that's a start.
0: How's availability in general for these movies? I mean, it is excellent. Even subtitled in English?
1: Yes, um, that is one of the great things about getting into the, these films is that there is an overwhelming number of vintage Bollywood films that are available on DVD and subtitled. The only downside is that the quality of the DVDs is not great uh, always um you know uh a lot i don't I don't think there's a lot of enforcement of uh, ownership rights over. Uh, creative materials and films and stuff. So you have a lot of competing sort of bootleg quality DVDs. But um, there is a online store called Induna.com, I-N-D-U-N-A. Uh, if you're interested in these films at all, I say check that out because they have a huge selection of, of 70s, 60s and 70s. There's a lot of great 70s films too. But, yeah, the availability is staggering. There is, uh, unlike, you know... Being someone who's into Filipino films and Turkish films, Taiwanese films, and and Taiwanese and Thai films, these film cultures where so much has been lost. You know, like so many Filipino films from the 60s are just gone. Same with uh, popular films from Thailand of the 60s. So many of them are lost, and what those of them that remained are are in horrible condition so it really feels like a blessing that indian cinema history is so well represented on you know home video and dvd so that's the good news
0: and now in book form coming very very soon so that's very uh, that's very cool uh run through uh, some of the other plugs if you will before we hit uh, hit the ghost hill
1: all right, you can find me on my blog, Die Danger, Die Die Kill, which is diedangerdiediekill.blogspot.com. Um, if you go there, uh, and just go, uh, rather than list everything else I'm doing, if you just go down the, the friendly uh, sidebar on the right there, you'll find links to pretty much everything else I'm doing. That includes my writing for Teleport City, my radio show that I'm doing, Pop Offensive, which is going gangbusters. That's going great. And, uh, the other podcast I do, Infernal Brains, which we really are going to do another
0: episode of. Pop Offensive sounds almost like, uh, Pop Offensive, like the most cynical show ever. But no, it's a great, it's a great and happy show about pop music and playing it's pop music. It's pure fun.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's pure fun. It's just about, it's about pure pleasure. So it's, it's more of a, uh it, when we we use uh offensive more in the terms of being you know zealous in our championing pop music you know so yeah it's a good you, you, it should uh you know get your toast happen when you listen to it
0: Excellent. Well, let's jump into it. First review of the episode is The Ghost Hill from 1971 and plots from my review of the film. Bear with me, my strength is not writing plots. Uh, <laughs> my strength is barely in writing, I, you know, if, overall. But here we go. Rival Swordsman Tsai, played by Chen Peng, and Jun Fung, played by David Tong, by David Tong are forced to unite against common enemy King Gold that stole per- the Purple Light Sword that... Tsai won in a duel against his rival swordsman, uh, Jungfeng. King Gold tries to get the swordsmen turned turn against each other, turning against each other, but eventually they are joined by Yen, played by our favorite and many people's favorite, uh, Polyquan. And they head to Gold Mountain to try and conquer the multiple obstacles of waiting. Um, so there we go. Uh, some minor background. There's some, uh, obviously not uh, like uh, a uh, retrospective documentary and full-on commentaries out there on this movie. We only have what we have on databases, uh, uh, so there's not a whole lot of about the making of, obviously. But there are some familiar faces in this one, including, as I said, Polly Kwan. During this, uh, what you could consider Polly's um, uh, or Polly riding her the wave of her phenomenal success four years earlier in King Who's Dragon. Yeah.
1: Definitely,
0: like really uh, dipping her toes into various movies and various materials. She didn't do like okay, twelve Dragon Ins after this. You know, she was a you know a <laughs> right. swordplay queen, yeah, but it didn't feel like Polly you know, repeated herself in a disgusting way or anything. And, uh, you know, if you compare Dragon into to this, they're not comparable because they, they, this is taken to a different level that King Hu wasn't even interested in anyway. So uh.
1: so I will say that her character is, it, it's a different, this is a different Polly Kwan than the one that you see later in films like Little Hero that we talked about in that she's very, she's very steely and uh, sort of fierce in, in, in this movie, as she was in Dragon Gate Inn. Uh, you know, she's the fierce swordswoman,
0: uh, and she's great. And so and so so got them pretty. I mean, uh, I'm. Uh, a, I mean, even a little here, yeah. But still, that was such a comedic role. She played a boy, presumably.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: it was okay. Yeah, yeah she perfect. plays a,
1: she plays an actual female in this one too. Yeah,
0: indeed. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'd imagine she could be like this poster girl and an actress like uh, that. Financiers and what have you knew could carry a production and even secure financing based on the fact that we can get Pauli Kwan. Um, And and I think it was like that for quite a number of years after uh, Dragon Inn. I mean, a a good uh, 14 or 15 years after it, I think her name was still strong in Taiwan anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it could be said that she carries this film for the most part. I mean, she plays a very pivotal part in the action.
0: Mm Mm-hmm absolutely the ghost still is a fan favorite with a few who have seen it uh, for, for for many reasons and we'll get into that we, we, we've kind of like laid our cards on the table saying what that we don't hate this movie anyway but uh, uh we are going to talk bri- briefly uh, about its director and I mean it's uh, a veteran director behind this and I mean veteran director uh, Ting shanxi without knowing it listeners I think you've seen about 10 of his movies the, this is a Taiwanese and Hong Kong veteran of four. Decades, Uh, not 40 years maybe in total, but worked across four decades in mainly Taiwanese film, but had some stints in Hong Kong as well and any kind of genre, really, including this one to uh, swordplay or uh, fantasy swordplay, to regular martial arts, to drama, to horror, even war movies. And uh, the filmography is too big to mention in uh, one go, obviously, but the uh, movies uh, that you might have seen that are out there, The Lion's Heart with Jimmy Wang Yu, the period drama Prosperous of Family, Furious Slaughter with Jimmy Wang Yu, uh, Whiplash with Cheng Pei Pei. There's only one way to pronounce that uh, title uh, as well. You know, you can never say Whiplash, but you gotta say Whiplash.
1: <laughs> you gotta IFD it.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Whiplash! I think that was a Hong Kong movie. Regardless, Cheng Pei Pei, great that they got together. He directed A Queen's Ransom at Golden Harvest that starred Angela Mao and George Laysenby and uh, the Queen of England in, uh, I think, some documentary footage that they shot because the, the plot is about kidnapping her so i think they shot some uh footage that she wasn't aware of so <laughs> they're doing like a visit in hong kong
1: wait is that the same as stoner or is that a different film
0: from uh, it's a different film S- stoner was a george layson Angela mao movie but it's a different film by uh by the guy who did the hapkido and when when taekwondo strikes uh, those kind of movies so, uh, S- stoner is great because he's named stoner and i think that's that's where the fun ends yeah
1: pretty much actually
0: wouldn't recommend that one too much but uh, anyway uh, some war movies that Ting Shanxi directed Everlasting Glory, The Battle for the Republic of China and his very last movie in 1993 or 4 I think it was called The Beheaded 1000 which was also for a while Jimmy Wang Yu's last uh, movie appears until a recent uh, resurgence uh, when he appeared in Don Yen's uh, The Donnie Yen Starer uh, directed by Peter Chan, I believe, called Wuxia. And uh, Jimmy Wang Yu played a, uh, a villain a villain in that one. And I think he's uh, doing at least uh, one or two more movies. Ting Shanxi uh, passed away in 1999 at the age of 74. Uh, the cause was uh, liver cancer, according to reports. Uh, but he stopped making movies, um, as we said, in the mid 90s you know, after this long life of creativity i mean when you read hong kong movie database you you, you encounter so many profiles that did everything you know even in front of mm-hmm. the camera but uh, unlike those profiles you know ting shang chi stuck to writing and directing primarily and uh, that, that was his thing and uh, he had a degree in arts by the way and um, he wrote screenplays before directing his 60 plus films over the, uh, over the course of this career and uh, the reason why we have nothing else i think it's the case of uh, like many profiles, there's, there's no scandalous, made-for-TV backstory to be told here. You know, there, there's no material here. This guy was born, educated, wanted to be creative, fell into creativity, and rode that wave until he passed away, essentially. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. I think you, the work speaks for itself, and the work, as far as I've seen, maybe I've seen a fourth of the of the movies or a third. It's pretty solid across the board. I, I gotta tell you. Well, I think it's like we
1: were talking about last. Last time, um, you know, he was just too busy making movies to be involved in any scandals or, you know.
0: You know, unlike Jimmy Wang Yu, which uh, you know that story is extensive. Jimmy Wang Yu was uh, was put on trial for murder at one point. <laughs> the just mm-hmm. the, the, the scandal after scandal, and he was such an asshole as well in real life. So there's always stuff. He made say. that
1: white lady eat bugs. Apparently,
0: <laughs> yeah, he didn't like white ladies, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. When he made uh, when he made his Australian movie, The Man from Hong Kong, yeah. but uh, yeah, so but but Ting Shan is a workhorse, and uh, it doesn't need to be much of a story. There, it's it's a uh, it's respectable, incredibly respectable. Uh, I gotta tell you. Uh, so th- that's pretty much it. Let's uh, talk of the Ghost Hill. Um, let me uh, let me do my brief opinion first, and you can do yours afterwards. Uh, to me, it's very entertaining, and uh, in terms of design, it's extraordinarily designed. <laughs> it's this fireworks within the swordplay genre that is really an easy watch, and also I think it's a good pick for people to like. Um, if you want to show people how colorful and this this fantasy genre can be in case you don't want to show them zoo warriors from the magic mountain <laughs> here's something else to show and i'm glad also that it's a swordplay movie that stands on its own and isn't trying to be king who uh, but it does measure up quite nicely with the premier efforts out of taiwan that that genre offered so that's my brief opinion for now what did you think of the ghost hill in, in short thought
1: i i generally hate to be one of those people that that rates a movie by comparison, or say it's a cross between this and this, but I I kind of can't
0: help it with this movie. Um, I, I won't hate you, Todd. Go ahead. Okay.
1: These films do, both these films actually, feel like classics. They may not be actual classics, but they have that iconic feel. And uh, part of that is due to them, I feel like both of these, and especially uh, Ghost Hill, uh, is is like a western. It remind me a lot of a uh, John Ford or or uh, Sergio Leone uh, western, especially in the cinematography and the shot setups. There's really beautiful, a uh, lot of really beautiful shot setups. And at the same time, there's a there's I, I feel like there's some King Who influence. And in the and in the uh, set design. And the general sort of otherworldly ambiance, uh, Cho Yun a lot. Yes, reminded me a lot of his, uh, Kulong adaptations that he did for Shaw Brothers, which are among my favorite films ever i love those movies so of course
0: can, can i ask you something on that note uh, just a tangent all of those choyun movies well are, are you that great smart viewer that can follow all the twists and stuff in, in those kind of movies <laughs> or are you as lost as i am or and just keep looking at the pretty colors yeah, some of
1: them are really, some of them are, I think, are actually impossible to understand. <laughs> I think the hidden, what is the hidden saber, dragon sword, or, I, I can't remember. There well, was well the first struggle one.
0: is to remember the fucking title, so there, there's your problem. Yes. <laughs> like, was, what was it called again, and? Oh no! The titles and the name of and the
1: name of all the characters, some of whom just pop up for five seconds. You know, (laughs) you killed my father. You know, and then there's like a really quick sword battle, and you never see them again. Um, I'll tell you something. I had a hard time following these movies, and I think that. Uh this movie has a fairly generic wuxia film plot. I mean, you have the sword that everyone's after and then there's the the murdered master and the disciples who are out to uh seek vengeance for that. I found when I rewatched The Ghost Hill uh for the purpose of doing this episode that there were some things I missed and what I will say is that that, uh, what is it called, the Purple Light Sword, yep. uh, changes hands a lot before it finally ends up in the hands of King Gold and his crew, right. and uh, I had forgotten that there was a duel, it was it was <laughs> awarded to Jun Fung as a result of a duel that he has with the... The other, the other guy whose shadow sigh.
0: You, you know, what, let's talk a little bit about that scene because or, or the opening in general. Because why this stands out? It isn't like evident in the first scene or anything. Because endless productions could do the costumes, they could do the intense zoom-ins, uh, they can shoot outdoors, uh, they can have their swordman pose, but, and you can have the the water and the way uh, the water like splash against the shore and the rocks and what have you. But Immediately, like Ting Shanxi does something that is very, very unusual for this genre. I mean, it's an interesting fight, of course, but after the opening credits, which this takes place during, uh, the umpire almost, but it, it is their master, I suppose, breaks the fight down like like he's a sports analyst. Uh, That's right. And that is actually, as far as I can remember, it's definitely not usual. And I actually, uh, I quite like that. He, he never draws on the screen, obviously, listeners, but. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you remember seeing that in these movies at all? I think that, that that's an unusual like um, uh, inclusion to have in uh, in to break the fight down. Unless you, I don't know. So sometimes in these movies you have a training montage where they figure out how to beat the bad guy, and once they start fighting the bad guy towards the end, they cannot bring back the moves that they yeah. learned, but that's not replaying the fight, that's just replaying the training. So it... Yeah,
1: I feel like Liu Cha Lang did that in a, some of his movies. Like I I don't know if it was eight diagram pole fighter, one of those movies sort of starts with these very stylized um they they almost feel like uh demonstrations of different techniques mm-hmm. and it's very kind of broken down in the way that those were Um, but I, it, it definitely was, uh, done in a, a, a more, I don't know, a resting way in this movie. It is, it's, it's very arty, (laughs) definitely. Um, and also it had all those, uh, to, not to harp on the, um, on the Choi thing too much, but he also, it's all, everything's set against those sort of autumnal, uh hues the color that sort of twilight uh um sunset colors that he used to use a lot and that makes every gives everything this really cool uh feel to it
0: yeah it almost at times looks like it could have been straight from the shore brothers lot because the, the, the sets are pretty damn good it's not like this um Poor imitation of Shaw Brothers or anything. It uh, could, you know, uh, you could throw that in front of viewers as well. Hey, look at this Shaw Brothers movie. Ooh, really cool. And then afterwards, ha-ha. Gotcha. Uh, one movie that it was reminded me of because of its, uh, it gets more colorful and weirder and mad as it goes along, but still clear, is a movie by uh, Cheng Pang Yu called Night Orchid, which was made one decade later, but it feels so close in execution technically, which means that the ghost hill was really, I wouldn't say ahead of its time, but really sharp and on the money in terms of the technical, uh, the technical aspects of it, and being able to convey these wushapian mad mm. inclusions that you don't expect, like King Gold uh, not taking regular baths but actually bathing in oil, <laughs> hot oil. Yeah. Uh, to, but to check that the water is uh, the oil is hot enough, they're throwing people in there instead.
1: Yeah, he's a bad man.
0: It, it's kind of wonderful. I, I don't know. I'm sure I've seen many movies with this fantasy onslaught, but when you add up Ghost Hill, there's a there's plenty of like really well. Conveyed and I don't know surprising elements, everything from weaponry to set design. It's there's really um, there's it, it, really um, it, there's no news on display here. But what, what's on here? Is, uh, there's not a whole lot of movies that does it as as cool and as entertaining as this uh, does, in my opinion.
1: One well, other movie that actually reminds me of is The Wizard of Oz a little bit because you had this. This uh, troop of people going to confront uh, an evil force that they were, you know, outnumbered and outgunned basically, and sort of gathering these different odd uh, allies as they go along. You know, it starts out and it's just uh, Shadow Sai and um, and June Fung, and then uh, and Polly doesn't join them till later, but then they have. Uh, they're bodyguards, I think, or maybe, I, I might be confusing it with the other film, actually, but they do have, um, they, what are the names of the, uh.
0: That's the other movie. Uh, the, the, beggar, the singing, the singing beggar gang is in Flytrack and
1: Okay. All right.
0: In terms of weapons design, I mean, the, these moves can be uh, dull when not done well, but here here's a movie where it's just oh, effing cool. To like, first you see well, 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 first of all, what one of the most fun aspects of of this movie is the fact that at the top of the villain chain you got King Gold, this burly actor with a with a beard and all and what have you. But they designed the movie uh, and that gang, that clan, that. In a way where Uh everyone below him looks like that too. Anyone who's going to join King Gold's gang needs to be bearded, bearded and burly.
1: And weird.
0: And kind of weird looking too. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love that choice for some reason. That, that's just because because he, he can do a doppelganger thing too. They never do this in. The, uh... I found that
1: I found that really confusing because there. Yeah, they kept killing these guys who I thought were King Gold because they were all burly and had the same kind <laughs> of raiments as he did. Because and when they finally go into the Hell Castle and they're moving through the different levels. It's kind of like a video game, uh, I think of it. But each level has, like, a guy at like, a little control, you know, in a little control room moving the spikes or the, you know, or the spears or whatever, the horror that awaits them in that room. And at the end of, like, you know, uh, at the end of conquering the perils that await them, they'll, you know, inevitably break into the control room and kill the guy who is who's running it, who... Who invariably looks just like King Gold. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's, I guess it's over now. And then <laughs> that wasn't him.
0: It, it it never became that Young Go along confusing to me though thankfully because I'm the first one who'll drop right out of that kind of movie as much as I love his movies but as soon as those twists start piling up I'm um, uh, oh ah uh, uh, mm, yeah, but yeah that, that never really <laughs> yeah. happened here I was kind of uh, yeah. on board so it must mean this is more streamlined and definitely not based on a Gulong novel it doesn't feel like it anyway
1: no uh,
0: I also like
1: that the that his minions were so weird that people in the movie kept re- remarking upon how weird they were. Like, they keep, <laughs> like, the heroes keep saying, it, you know, what peculiar guys, and they have, and, like, one of them's named Cowhead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the names made me wonder if there was some problems with translation. Like, there was that one kind of witch lady who was, uh, the the subtitles translated her name is after your life
0: Yeah, it, it you 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 spot on I think because it gets kind of worse in Fly Dragon Mountain because I don't think the term the term real McCoy applies to uh, <laughs> uh, Wu Xia Pian, But uh, yeah,
1: and I also don't think someone would be called Scab... What was his name? Scab face or something? Or scab, scab scab's
0: tiger, or scabbing tiger? Scab so.
1: scabby tiger. I'm thinking maybe the scarred tiger. But anyway,
0: you know, it, we we talk of this movie as being like filled uh, with action, and it, it is filled with action. But the actual and the swordplay and the weaponry and how they convey that through actual uh, choreography and editing, that that's fantastic. The actual minor sections of hand-to-hand action uh, uh, fighting it's a bit sluggish, but it's not uncommon to have that in the early seventies, of course. So but but the reason you don't think of, of that or forget it, and the reason why you're kind of on board with the rest of the movie is it's it's surrounded by technical execution as a production, which elevates a whole lot. Um, as I said, I think this is a good drive, a good uh, drive or pace as a basic story. You know, you got the setup, the team up, storming the castle, done. <laughs> you know, and in between they paint like you read about a a fantasy picture that is... uh... I think the
1: atmosphere of this movie really helps move it along too. It's just everything is just placed within such a cool sort of mystical context and, you know, and like that crazy... Poisonous Garden, the the Thousand Poison, I forget what it's called. The
0: the thing is with that set is fantastic though, and here's an example why the movie works too. When they arrived to that cave, which is presumably a little bit of a styrofoam build, they're obviously not a cave, uh, and there's paint on the walls, and there's flowers in the foreground, some smoke coming into the set, and that could have worked so in a disastrous way, but... No. I don't know how they do it because it's absolutely gorgeous to look at
1: yeah. despite
0: you also recognizing that it's kind of Star Trek-y at the same time.
1: Yes, yeah. Well I think it's a larger set than they'd usually use. If this was like a Pearl Chang Ling movie, it would have been that would have been built on a set the size of like a garage. Yeah. You know, and that would have the crampness would have given it its chintziness away. But that that look, that uh yeah, that Poison Forest or whatever it was, that set looked pretty, pretty spacious. It, yeah. did, it did look like they threw down a little bit of cash
0: on this movie. Yeah, definitely did. I mean, the Union Films, which did both this and Fly Dragon Mountain, they were... I mean, I wouldn't say the biggest Taiwanese studio, but up there. I mean, the quality movies came out of Union Films, including Dragon Inn. So I mean, they weren't lo- they weren't no slouches, and uh, you know, if you had a box office success behind you once, and I'm sure they had a few successes along the way, and therefore a little bit of cash in, in their pocket mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm hoping this was successful. That, that I don't know if, uh, but uh, s- certainly we never heard of it until very fairly recently, at least. In the I rest. have not
1: heard of it till this year, till you told me about it either of these movies, actually. It's just kind of shameful, but yeah.
0: King Gold is a character that stands out, and uh, I, I don't think there's any way but to act very theatrically and big to in order to sell that character, and I wish I could ID the actor, but he's kind of hidden underneath that beard and paint. Even via the credits and the images of him from other movies, I still couldn't really recognize him. So it's he owns that character. He he wants to be that character, like you read about, King Gold, uh, this maniac, maniacally cackling big character that's kind of also uh, you don't uh, defeat in, in in a heartbeat either. You know, he's obviously got some trickery and some. Wushipian genre type of skills that he builds up, uh, like invincibility skills that he's uh, building up. Uh, uh, yeah, as well, that
1: role. was. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I wrote, the gold light fire flow kung fu is
0: what,
1: <laughs> is what he's amassing at the end of the movie, and he ends up. I don't up know eating. really how he does it. He just says that I,
0: I got to do it for seven more days. Uh, I think the
1: massag- massaging seemed to have something uh, to do with it. He was having his. His adopted daughter massage him. Oh, and speaking of creepy subplots, the whole thing with the princess yes. who who later learns that uh, she is not actually his daughter, but the daughter of a rival who he killed, and that he had his plan is to marry her when she comes of age, which is pretty creepy.
0: I I, I love that scene where where. She has realized that, and I, um, I wish I could play it back in a way where I, I could convince you, listeners, how funny it is. But she asks him, and she's distraught. Like, "Am I your daughter?" <laughs> he laughs. "Am I Magic Spear's daughter?" <laughs> yeah. And he just goes from higher to higher mm-hmm. and cackles his ass off at the end of think <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. The guy, he has a great laugh. Whoever that guy is, he has. Yeah, the, whoever he...
0: did that dubbing went from maniacally laughing like we've heard to like a few a few divisions higher than that. that. That was so wonderful. He went higher and higher. But I, I love also that the movie gradually introduces this whole uh, gold mountain like um, onslaught. You know, it, it, a third in we get we get some teasers about that, but it's still village bound. And then by like the fi- by the hour mark. Uh, Ting Shanxi doesn't do the thing where he uh, gives us a little bit, a little bit, he gives us everything in one, like, go in one half hour, you know, everything from that flower cave to the to the ice prison, which is the set that I remem- remember the most from my first viewing, like an ice prison uh, with gods that apparently need to, uh, are trained, you know, Wu Xia type of way, uh, a genre way, where they can withstand the, cold she can as well be adopted daughter but it's actually snowing inside too
1: they probably have to be packed in a snowman like polly shang or not uh pearl Ling had to be in that one movie but yeah i wrote down the feet it's the ten hells it's very it's very uh dante's inferno esque the whole thing because you have like snakes Stakes, spikes, spears, crushing walls. You know, it's almost like an Indiana Jones thing where you it's have a cool adventure.
0: Crushed. Last half hour is this. It's not too much either. It's like, because I never thought it was too much. It's like, give me more. I'm ready for mm-hmm. it. Give me all 10 of these death gates. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost starts like. In a in a subtle way because one of the first death gates we see is that flower set. But w- what I love what I love is the fact that King Gold or maybe uh, one of his guards I don't know if that was him is camouflaged by in that room. You know he's surrounded by all the flowers and the colors and his outfit is is uh, designed in a way where you barely can see him in there, which is uh, a cool little thing too.
1: Yeah, when he speaks, it's like ah, <laughs> you know, it's, it surprises you because yeah, he's he looks like he's himself growing up out of the ground on his little throne there. Um, so what was your favorite room? I wish it was your favorite of the Ten Hells.
0: I mean, the ice prison, I think, acted as one. Well, I, I love that. It's such, I, I love snow and uh, snowy landscapes in uh, martial arts and swordplay movies anyway. But to have this ice prison snowing inside, and then also a big old uh, fight uh, uh, with uh, all the guards. I think in this scene contains my favorite moment, and I don't care if I'm spoiling it. Uh, there's plenty of you for your listeners to uh, pick up on and remember. There's, they freeze one of the uh, warriors that uh, in, in the good guy camp, if you will. They freeze mm-hmm. him, uh, but his uh, spear is still outside of this ice block. So I think it's pos- possibly Polly Shanquan. Pushes him forward and into right. the guy right. who speared him because he yeah. didn't freeze the spear.
1: Right. She uses him as kind of a, I don't know,
0: a battering ram or something. Which is a fantastic little bit. That idea. was
1: nice, yeah.
0: I didn't even mention the beheading. I could have said uh, the, ah. the beheading all of a sudden turns the movie into Evil Dead for one minute. Evil Dead, yes.
1: That's exactly what I wrote down. His severed head flies around the set after he gets his head cut off, and then he sinks his teeth into King Gold. Indeed. Which was, that was like bonus, a, a, a big
0: bonus for me. But, but it's well made. The thing is, it's not like Like shoddy effects. It's it could Taiwanese cinema is still kind of in its infancy at this point. I mean, just look at the movie like The Eight Immortals by Chen Hung-min. That is this special effects movie that is trying, but it's not really succeeding all the time. I mean, at one point they used little uh, plastic action figures in the Eight Immortals as uh, oh, yeah. as miniatures. Yeah. But here you have like a studio movie, presumably, where a lot of it is really like fought out and honed and well done. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that you do in six days and move on to another like standard sort of play movie. No, no, no. This is. I mean, you. I mean, you gotta plan this stuff out. Uh, I, I think for once, like th- Asian filmmakers had to like. Make a, a plan, you know, write down a plan. What we going to do?
1: I never felt jerked out of the movie the way you feel like when there's a really bad effect or something and it, like, sort of just kind of shatters the whole mood, you know. It kind of, you know, as funny as it might be, it reminds you that, oh, yeah, this is just some people with a bunch of wires and strings and action figures or not. You know, I thought all of the effects were confident enough to kind of keep you in the world of the movie. Oh, whoa, whoa, what was
0: your favorite Death Gate, by the way?
1: I like the I like the Snow Palace. I also like the Iron Bull Gate with the giant flame belching bull statues. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was probably that was probably my favorite. Um, and then the uh, the Inferno where everything was just on fire and people were catching on fire. That was pretty harrowing. I mean, that was actually, you know. Pretty scary that part, or pretty harrowing, you know. It was very and, and, intense.
0: And they and they went from the ice prison to that, which is the clever thing to do, the, the juxtaposition and the contrast. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it seemed like it was like vol- from that to vol- uh, volcano type heat. Which, yeah. Uh, which yeah. Basically. Really, my final note is uh, uh, I mentioned hand to hand hand to hand action being less stellar, but the weapons action, because we do get like traditional action in between here, is quite good and complex, and uh, it also helps that it involves cool weapons design. You know, when they need to convey, like, um, you know, projectile uh, type of weapons and uh, have them appear quite um, surprising in their, like, because you don't know exactly what some weapons do. That is also well done because it's done through sharp editing. And, uh, yeah, it's... Again, yeah, well done, well conveyed. It's uh I, I can't figure out how they did some of this stuff, you know, and that's uh that surely means something for a movie that is from nineteen seventy one. And uh, so so really that that's the tail end of my notes. Good, good fun.
1: I think we need mention the the King Gold's uh prosthetic a uh, harpoon launching hand. Well, it's not really a hand. It's just sort of a thing that looks like a metal cocktail shaker that's stuck on the end of his hand, and he shoots
0: harpoons out of it. That is very cool. That is very cool. That is uh, very cool. It's a. It, it seems like he's uh, had to sacrifice his real hand to impl- to to make himself a little bit of a robo Robo King King Gold, so it, it,
1: yeah, it is. Yeah, it is kind of like a Tokusatsu villain thing. He did, yeah, he could have fit in an episode of like *Kamen Rider* or something like that. Now that I think about it, there were a lot of elements in this movie that weren't uh, incongruous with that. But
0: uh, and, and and you know, you know that big character, you've seen that character, but I've not seen it in other movies done as memorably. Like you, 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 you you'd seen big, burly, maniacally laughing characters, but King Gold. It's uh, kind of a standout in the genre. Too. I've never seen it done as well, anyway.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I didn't really think about it until you mentioned it. But I think that's I would I would sign off on that. That I think that's true. Now, I had a couple notes that I I wanted to check with you about, like in the category of did I really see or hear that? Oh, and I also wanted to mention the the fact that the character June Fung seems to have special mouth powers. In that he can eat the slice of watermelon that's filled with like ball bearings or something. Yep. And then, uh, the, the villain named Death Child throws a metal hook at him and he catches it between his teeth. And then later <laughs> he cat his whole, his whole, I've never seen that in a, in one of these movies where it was all about this character's mouth and he catches darts in his teeth. At one point, I thought that was very cool. Just sort of a, another example of this movie's creativity. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you about is that the character of June Fung was the brother of the character played by Polly Chan Kwan, right? Yes. Like he was the biological brother. Presumably, of
0: biological, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, but he's that he seems to be in love with her, like he's jealous because she likes the shadow that, that the other, she likes the other swordsman and he's jealous of her affections for shadow, but he's her brother.
0: Right. Mm, right. Well, th- this uh, makes me want to go back and watch. Like, forget about the fantasy onslaught and kind of just f- focus on what the characters are doing ne- during my next viewing because I I didn't actually notice that for some reason that possible creepy attraction. But yeah. but I, but I want to focus on it next viewing because it might be there in a very ill way they, they never they, they never like go anywhere with it obviously uh it's no it's, no. Uh, it's I mean, not it's not that creepy but uh,
1: yeah none of the love triangles get resolved at the end it's just they kill the bad guys and then they walk, march off into the sunset
0: and the great thing too is that the movie doesn't need to be uh shock full of uh you know goofy and wacky uh gags to be fun to be fun uh because uh no the only like Comedic element is part of what King Gold does, and also that scene with the watermelon is kind of uh, silly, but uh, it it it's, it doesn't uh, sink the movie or anything. But I, I like that the characters are pretty goddamn serious and s- s- uh, stern throughout the movie. Yeah. But they, that that doesn't clash either with uh, what it's doing.
1: Yeah, I will point out one thing that I felt was like one of the movie's few missteps is that when you ha- finally have a battle between Polly Chang Kwan and the actress playing the princess whose name I don't have in front of me when they finally get down and have a fight it's just so ridiculously under cranked it's like a you know fractured flickers or something where they're just you know, it's super high speed and ridiculous. And it's like, I don't even really know why they did that. Maybe it was because, you know, Polly shan Quan is a good fighter. Maybe the other actress wasn't that good of a fighter, so they had to walk her through it and sp- speed it up. But it just seemed like it was sped up to a really ridiculous the level. The was and-
0: kind of wonky at some points, which uh, mm-hmm. might have a, be a mixture of that 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 uh, yeah. uh, uh ill cranking but for some reason during some section it seemed like stop motion animation like uh, some f- uh, a few seconds here and there which i think is due to the print a little bit uh, but uh, uh an otherwise great looking print but um yeah it was was memorable obviously despite um, you know a print flaw or not it uh, it was a memorable uh, um, thankfully it wasn't the ultimate fight of the movie like this is what we've been no, waiting for
1: no that was well that's also you know it could have been it could have been a, a more pivotal a more pivotal moment in the film but it felt like the way they did it it was a throwaway any You know, with me, any Polly shang Kwan movie that I watch, no matter how small her part, I'm watching it to see Polly shang Kwan fight. You know, so I of course, you know, took note of that and was a little disappointed, but that's made up for in the end because she plays a huge part in the, in the finale. She fights off an army of ninjas with tridents. You know, so she definitely gets her due but when it, during the climax of the movie. But that I thought that it was a little disappointing. That, but that's it. That's
0: my notes. Excellent. Well, uh, high, really high recommendation. It's a fun watch, a short watch too, and um, it's uh, if you if you're scared of the coherency level being very poor, you you should because this genre does offer up offer up that. But in this movie, it's uh, it's very approachable and very easy to follow. So it's not a twisty movie where where at the end I can say this where it's revealed that King Gold was actually Polyquan. It's not right. something yeah. like
1: that there's no unmasking scene of anybody yeah i would highly i would i would go so far as to call this essential i can't believe it took me so long to see this film it is a great uh near class i'll call it a near classic i guess but I, i i really love this film
0: and as for availability it's good Uh, The label Hoker Records in Taiwan put out a large selection of various Taiwanese genre classics and uh, genre entries, you know, everything from melodramas to this kind of genre, uh, often remastered fully or to a degree uh, uh, with English subtitles either from sharp-looking cinema prints that they uh, did some basic cleanup uh, cleanup on, or in this case, uh, they have optional uh, slightly wonky uh, subtitles. And this movie, The Ghost Hill, is in print from Hokey Records. It's a beautiful widescreen version, um, uh, a little bit dirty here and there at the real changes, essentially, but otherwise very, very colorful. It's subtitled, and the cover to boot. They didn't sell this desperately to the kids or anything because the cover is the art from the original poster, which I, I love, that. love that design choice. Rather, they didn't design anything. They took the original poster and put it on the DVD cover. Front cover! Not on the reverse fucking cover and shit like that. So, w- striking, striking art, you know. So um,
1: yeah, yeah, I would not only recommend seeing this movie, I'd recommend buying it. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great
0: package. Yeah, we are then. So let's uh, take a break uh, look at another one of the uh, Hoka Records uh, releases, which is actually the Fly Dragon Mountain as well. And, and a Union movie as well. And does it hold the same quality? Well, we'll find out after a break. So <laughs> so see you after a break. Welcome back in the second movie of review as The Fly Dragon Mountain from 1971 as well. And plot for my review of the film, so bear with me. Desperately requesting help and money for his ailing mother... Little Airfoot Sue, the character, receives help from Miss Yun and her company. That then moves on, uh, finding his mother murdered. Soon thereafter, we cut to Airfoot Sue as an adult, played by Steve Chan. I love the name Steve. You know, like a sword, a swords uh, play movie hero called Steve. <laughs> Steve Chan
1: at your service, man.
0: Uh, but uh, he's a pretty badass as an actor. But anyway, he's now a swordsman called, according to the subtitles, Scabbed Tiger. Um, <laughs> make him that what you will. He's Tiger something. Yeah. And he's out to revenge the death of his mother in adult years. Still, he, he seeks uh, someone with a particular piece of jade as uh, as well, you know, to um, to like pay back uh, Miss, uh, Miss Yun who gave him uh, this uh, jade. So he tries to seek, uh, seek uh, that person out or anyone with that particular piece of jade recognizable jade he finds one but uh, he promptly like uh, I, I think i've written my plot wrong here but regardless he finds that piece of jade and promptly executes his plan but the thing is i think that was not his plan he executes this person who opposes him and kills that person off but here's the twist that person that he kills off is the father of uh, Miss Yun has a daughter. and
1: Okay, I'm glad you were confused by this, too, because I was very confused, uh, completely confused by that.
0: Miss Yun, who we never see again, this elder lady, her husband is the one that Erfutsu kills, ergo the daughter's father. And he, he bumps into this servant and uh, this daughter and they're distraught because they found their father killed and it turns out Erfotsu has killed her father. Yes. And he has to carry this burden now. He, he doesn't uh, say this to uh, this couple. He realizes his mistake and tries to set things as right as possible while also see- seeking uh, Seeking revenge and uh, keeping the truth of his actions inside. I thought it was easy. It's somewhat complex, but uh, it's it's still fairly clear when you when you watch the movie. It doesn't detract from it. But uh, let, let's keep our opinions to ourselves for a little bit now. The minor background I have on this during episode twelve on uh, uh, Mother Things, uh, the movie Little Hero, uh, we talked of. A few biographical notes on the director, Chen Hung Min, who is actually the director of this one as well. So we won't rehash the discussion, but in short, it's an editor-turned-director of various genres. But you and I sort of were exposed to Chen Hung Min's work as this um, director who liked the special effects and wacky stuff. Uh, I believe you watched the Eight Immortals uh, post uh, doing the uh, Little Hero um, Little Hero episode. I think he wrote the review of the Eight Immortals. He also did uh, the Calamity or the Big Calamity, aka War God, which is the Taiwanese monster movie with uh, General Guan Yu fighting off Martians. So it's a movie. Yeah,
1: we need to do that one. We We will do
0: that. We will do that. We 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 won't tease it forever and then just end Taiwan War. (laughs) Yeah, let's yeah let's draw it
1: out as long as
0: possible. But you know you know you know that was special effects focus, wacky focus, and then Little Hero. I mean this dumbass, wonderful, uh, low-budget, cartoony thing uh, with a lot of, master, 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 you know. (laughs) But you won't find any of that in The Fly Dragon Mountain because this is a martial arts drama, you know, early in the career of Chen Hung Min, who, by the way, directed his last movie in 1980 and edited his last movie in 1984. So it's a martial arts drama. and usually, like, great-looking and skilled and honed considering yes. that he also made Little Hero, which is great in its own way, but it isn't on the sca- same like, level production-wise as the Fly Dragon Mountain. But uh, uh, I'm going to steal something that you said to me in terms of my uh, small opinion, quick opinion of the film. Classy little film. It's swordplay with emphasis on story and drama, but also has some push stylistically and action-wise. So uh, It's a bit of a gem. It's a bit of a gem, and a short gem too, and it didn't need to be anything else than 85 minutes of what I thought was simple drama in essence it is, but I sort of stumbled on it despite, but uh, what do you want to say in short uh, first? I think this was your first viewing too of the film. Yeah.
1: Yes. This, this was another hidden gem. I had never heard of this movie until you mentioned it to me. And yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what happened to us, Ken, but these, both these movies are, are, are pretty classy and that's not an adjective that I used to <laughs> describe every one of the movies we've discussed. Um, I had a very similar uh, I mean not to just keep sound like a broken record but I had a similar opinion uh, of it to uh the Ghost Hill and that it feels has a very epic classic feel it has a, it definitely reminds me of classic westerns
0: in a lot of ways you know especially the opening I think is
1: Pure Leone Pure Leone you see the you see the carriage uh, you know, thundering across the wasteland, and you see this broad sort of desolate vista, and then you cut from that to a, a close-up on this little kid's face watching it approach. It is so, it's so Leone-esque. If that's not Leone, I don't know what is. And I also want to point out. Because we're giving a lot of love to the director and the stars. That both these films, uh, Fly Dragon Mountain and Ghost Hill, had the same cinematographer.
0: Ah, right, I didn't know. That's cool. That's like that's like different uh, challenges for a, uh, for a DOP, like to make the Ghost Hill and this very much harsher uh, looking in uh, in. Uh, it's classy, but it's not as colorful. Oh boy, it's not as colorful.
1: Yeah, his name is Chu Yao Hu. I, I would guess that a lot of the Leone influence comes from him. A lot of the Western influence comes from him because of the way he captures the the landscapes and just sort of the... You know the comp- the compositions are very are are very much Leone-esque, and I think he has a lot to do with both of these films looking
0: fantastic. I mean, it's just made for widescreen. I mean, it's uh, it yeah. would be a shame to not see this in widescreen. Uh, screen, and thankfully, we can. You know, uh, on the subject of uh, Leone. Uh, I bet the score uh, that opens the movie is stolen from somewhere in Italy. Uh, and it would be so, because it sounds very uh, Italian-Western-like, uh, the uh, score that it opens does. the movie. I, I mean, for it would be so ironic and great if it, in fact, was Ennio Morricone's score from Whatever genre it might have belonged to, but it it sounds very stolen. But that that's something that is obviously movies did back then and for many years, uh, many years on. But it fits it fits the desolate landscape that opens the film. Like it's it's uh, it's not a yellow like bright desert or anything. It's a desolate like stony harsh landscape, and this boy yes. like fight you know. Fighting for his mother, you know, trying to keep his mother alive, and this boy is like seven or eight. And obviously,
1: yeah, and he's sort of out there in the middle of the wilderness. It's almost kind of dreamlike, or it makes it it makes there something very archetypal about that setup of this lone boy who throws himself in front of this carriage, you know, to beg for money for his dying mother, and then she's inside like a ruined uh, temple, I think
0: yeah or a barn bo- or a barn or something i mean it, it isn't like the yeah. uh, uh, ultimate conditions for someone to like uh, heal his or herself you know it just sounds like it always is uh, downhill you know for them and i uh, i actually like that it it's very it's a very loud movie too in terms of the score is loud when it hits even mm-hmm. like the post mandarin track is very loud, even though that that might be a technical flaw. But a lot is enhanced and uh, loud here. You know, for instance, a r- surrounding you know little Air Zoo is a world where bandits are burning down towns. So I think at one yes. point it suggested that there's uh, been a rape of some character. So I mean, it's it's the, it's a very bleak world uh, but not this o- oppressive like world where you try. Where you become like cinematically depressed for five days afterwards or anything, but yeah. it's uh, they, they don't lighten the mood up with uh, comedy or anything. It's uh, you know, when we, we go from that desolate landscape though, which is very bright and in daytime, to what cut to when Steve Chan's character grows up and we, we got beautiful uh, nighttime scenes of. Uh, the, you know, the roof confrontation between Erfutsu yes. and the thief that he eventually kills. And great shadow play. And that, that that's, again, uh, the DOP adding such great shadow yeah. play, where it hits certain parts of faces in a very controlled way. It's supposed to hit, like, the eyes at one point should be dark, but the rest of the face is lit. You know, that stuff is really arresting, too.
1: That scene in particular reminded me of... Uh... The scene where Clint Eastwood first meets Lee Van Cleef in for a few dollars more, that nighttime confrontation, that's a great, really great scene. A lot, just like uh, Ghost Hill, there's a lot of great mood in this film that really carries it.
0: It served well by being remastered. Uh, you know these uh, night time yes. scenes can be very—they're very like—they're very like, uh, not hidden by the darkness because due to a bad transfer, you know the dark—it comes through as it should come through, and uh, it adds uh, a lot to it. Uh, you looked up a cool little fact about the DOP. I don't know if you looked up the fact that lead Steve Chan also has a directing resume. No, I didn't
1: know that.
0: Subsequently to this movie in the seventies, he alternated between Hong Kong and Taiwan. He made movies at Shaw Brothers. And uh, and they made movies in Taiwan. And judging by the titles of the various movies, it seems like he uh, he directed some movies on the kind of adult side. You know, uh, there's a movie called Confessions of a Private Secretary, <laughs> <laughs> a, and a Cookbook of Birth Control.
1: Oh yes, I did see I did see that one. <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all. I don't want to see a movie <laughs> I called made a cookbook, cookbook of, birth of birth control. control. <laughs>
0: So that's Steve Chan. This is 1971. He directed his first movie, 1973, and uh, made about uh, ten of them. So, uh, and judging by this movie, he's a pretty goddamn solid actor, to be honest. Very, expre- very expressive. Very good. With his uh, stern, like uh, dark face, you know, brooding nature.
1: And and why do, does, does he have the scar? It seemed like the servant of mrs yun like beats him up or something in that first scene like the servant whose name is uh chi lung gives him that facial scar that makes everybody call him scabbed tiger or whatever the hell they call
0: her i was wondering about that too if that happened due to him uh... Uh, almost being hit by the carriage or the... Because it, it, it's a quite a pronounced scar. but you, you're right. I thought of that, and for some reason, I didn't think of uh, going back to check if it connected to that first scene or not. But it's uh...
1: Yeah, I didn't Because as with the other movie, I mean, once things get rolling, once you get through the complications of the first 20 minutes, it's pretty much just you know, Woojah 101, you know, it's a pretty generic plot once everything gets going, but there's some, you know, some sort of complicated back and forth. And, you know, like I, I must've passed out for a minute and missed the part
0: where he, Oh my, Oh my God. He cut me on the, on the chin. I'm cool. I'm
1: yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Something happened. Maybe I was having like narcolepsy or something, but there, I feel like I missed little chunks of this movie somehow.
0: But, 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 but I got a, Kind of disagree in terms of it being like this. Um, it, yes, it is Wusha, recognizable Wusha, but within it, uh, it has a decent dramatic story story structure. That, like the emotion, yeah. the emotional torment of uh, Erfutsu having lost his mom, and the emotional torment of having to uh, hide this uh, truth, this guilt. Uh, his guilt uh, from these people who actually trust him and give him warmth and kindness and medical care I actually that uh, had every good Uh, every chance to not work but I think Chen Min manages to keep that uh, dramatic like storyline going uh, without going overbearing on us and like having a narration and like uh, monologues about it but uh, uh, I was surprised by that the first viewing that it meant so much um, actually Mm -hmm. Uh, good atmosphere stylish atmosphere stylish atmosphere stylish shots and atmosphere but also this um, kind of refreshing uh, dramatic uh, uh, dramatic angle to it. This was sort of
1: a downside for me, but probably because I have the attention span of a ten-year-old. But it, it definitely moves in, into a into a quieter phase uh, for the third act, for a bit of the third act, because when he finally fights the thief played by Man Chung San. Uh, the, the scab, scab tiger, um, is wounded. And so he is taken in by the daughter and the servant and nursed back to health. And it's sort of a long period. It felt like a long period of the film where they're sort of regrouping for the final battle, which is sort of a classic thing. It reminded me of Rio Bravo a little bit because it's supposed to be building tension for this, this final battle. But the final battle is so awesome and so iconic and so you know it 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 lives up to the build-up so you know so i can't complain too much but i did start it started to lose me a little bit in the third act because there was a lot of them just sort of sitting around quietly in the in you know with him in bed in, with his arm and a sling and everything right
0: yeah yeah i can see that that there was some uh, two maybe a little bit too quiet um uh, moments uh, there where uh, they could have uh uh, sped it up a little bit, but uh, you know, you know, it's still refreshing that uh, Chen Hung min is here to tell a story and not like desperately throw out genre tropes and tons of action at us, at us to fill uh, because the, the, the action is never filler, which is great. Yeah, that's that's a
1: very good point. I would say that about both of these movies except for that one sped up and the other one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would take those slow, contemplative moments over bad kung fu movie comic release yeah yes I would yes I'll take the you know you just show everybody sitting in a room saying nothing for 10 minutes and I would prefer that to the to that stuff, so so I can't complain too much about this movie.
0: But, spe- but speaking of the action, I mean, uh, not only the Andy, but uh, throughout there's some very slick camera work that builds up to mm-hmm. confrontation, and that, that is obviously very Western, it's also very Japanese cinema, having these build-ups towards confrontation, and sometimes fairly short fights, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I love how these uh, action directors in their kind of infancy still uh, in the early '70s, still managed to, through editing and careful shot uh, structure, convey like such simple things. Like Erfutsu, uh at one point, is confronted by uh, a couple of people, and in like two slices of his sword, he cuts up, cuts off the uh, front of their hats. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. That, and that you might take for granted as like, oh well anyone can do that. But no, it's it's it needs to be conveyed really sharply, and I think that's an example of something that is conveyed very very sharply, you know, that we mm-hmm. believe that uh, Steve Chan's character is uh, quite accomplished, you know, he isn't this uh, mm-hmm. like mild martial artist uh, that uh, wants to revenge uh, but he's built up some considerable skill uh, uh, during the years and as much as I like the end fight, I love the fight that uh, I don't remember the exact details or who, or who the character was, but Steve Chan fights this guy in a room where the camera moves with the fighters through two or three rooms and at one point cuts to a top shot uh, uh, a top shot yes. uh, from the roof of their fight and that is excellent, excellent exciting yes. and stuff and one of the longest fights in this movie before the ending happens and that is just pure great atmos and slick Camera work where you can follow the action, uh, unlike today where you can't follow ninety percent of action movies because of the fucking camera shaking all the time. Here, it's yeah. a camera yeah. moves with the action, not shakes with the action. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so this this, this free flowing like uh, camera following fighters from room to room, as a technique that Shaw Brothers was very good at. But here's like this the Union films where that shows that they are as good technically at. Uh, in this kind of genre, so uh, really great, and uh, also the, the brief fight in the in the rain that just before it ends cuts to uh, a shot of the roof uh, being rained on, and then you see the rain stops, and then the fight ends. It, it seems like this odd cutaway, to like why, why why the fuck are you shooting the roof? Like fight fight fight! But then you realize that <laughs> your Chen Min had an idea, there, or his dup had an idea. Why not show that the rain stops, and then? the fight ends you know why why not try that and see how, how it works and i think it's uh it confuses for one second but then you go oh yeah i, I kind of dig it i do it poetic it's it kind of is poetic yeah i mean without being really pretentious or anything so
1: this, yeah this is another film with a great atmosphere it doesn't have the fantasy elements that the other film
0: had really only one point during the end where the i think it's foot suit gets uh he, he starts flying towards the end, and they yank this poor, poor, poor stuntman like up into the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Like he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a real stuntman. They actually—it it didn't look like a puppet or anything. It looked like they yanked someone. No, it looked like a guy to me. I mean, that's an elaborate uh, wire rig, really. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know <laughs> you, maybe you, maybe you can fake that really well. But um, yeah, there you go.
1: They didn't launch him out of a catapult, but it kind of looked like it in a way.
0: Um, Really, I only think I have one more note, because uh, this one you don't want to spoil the ending, because there is a pointed bit towards the end uh, that has to do with all dramatic that has been built up in terms of his guilt and the weight that is on his shoulders. There's a very pointed bit towards the end, a twist. Towards the end, that I thought was, yeah, I really cared about the movie ex- extra when I saw that. But uh, it's um, it's kind of when the movie w- goes back to the western here towards the end. It's a bright, it's a bright like um, it's in the sunshine, so to say. But still, it's this harsh landscape that is. Uh, so it is a western throughout because obviously Leone did night scenes too. But I think I connect more the beginning and the end to uh, to it being very Leone, but in a very. Uh, Sincere way because it's not copy uh, doing like this copycat style and mimicking shots uh, like these extreme no. close ups of faces. We don't see that. Uh, we get extreme zoom ins every now and again, but not these slow zoom into faces that take 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a uh, my final note is it's it's human rather than a thoroughly bloodthirsty primal movie. It's also human, and uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so really, it's <laughs> yeah my notes. Uh, any any highlights uh, that you want to mention? Any dramatic or uh, action highlights that you uh, remember? No, I think you've about covered it.
1: Um, you know, I just had some confusion during the beginning, but uh, I really enjoyed the film. Would recommend it, highly recommend it, um, and it, it makes me want to see more of these early Union films. See how many more of these gems there are out there.
0: I know uh, I know uh, director Joseph Kuo um mystery of chess boxing and uh, the bronze Men movies he made a couple of uh, good swordplay dramas at this time I don't remember if they were union films or not uh, but there were some uh, uh, unusual there, there was some unusual skill there as well in a filmmaker like Joseph Kuo because you never knew he could direct swordplay drama you only knew him from these low budget independent martial arts movies which were great you know seven grandmasters mystery of chess boxing but they were certainly not uh, aiming to be dramatic fair but like flashed back eight years earlier and he had some uh, skills there there's some there's a movie called the swordsman man of all swordsmen, men or something like that and uh, that's not too shabby as a as a um, uh, dramatic movie as well as being an atmospheric swordplay movie uh, so i might bring that to the show sometime
1: Yeah, I would say these films broaden my perspective on Taiwanese martial arts cinema, which is I wish I had seen them a lot sooner. But I'm glad to have finally seen them in any case. So
0: well, it really it's like the last few years. uh, Last few years is the availability has finally like been there at all. So no wonder you haven't been able to see them. But it's uh, it's it's good timing if anything. And this movie is also. Uh, out there and it's on the same label Hoker Records uh, who as I said put out various Taiwanese uh, genre classics, uh, martial arts, wuxia, dramas, often remastered um, to a degree this is remastered, it has some dirt on the print but uh, it really is remastered despite being bleak and harsh looking it actually corresponds very well I think to the uh, intent in the cinematography
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it's widescreen and its subtitled. they're a bit wonky in terms of the subtitles. At one point, they, they refer to something as the real McCoy, which doesn't sound very you know, Ushakyan, <laughs> yeah. but uh, whatever. Uh, you can understand the movie, ultimately, but uh, bear that in mind.
1: Um, and, and is the, it the same kind of packaging? Do they have the same kind of packaging design as the Ghost
0: Tilt? They do. Uh, it's both in print and uh, the cover is, design is based on the original painted poster. So uh, it's a, Nice, nice. Even at fucking IFD, the painted posters looked great because I think that's an art. The the actually mm-hmm. doing the posters uh, like that, you know, a montage like that. At IFD, normally the content was not in a movie at all. The various helicopters and car mm-hmm. chases and shit <laughs> that was not in. Really yeah, oh, right. God. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Buy it. Yeah. We promise it's here. <laughs> Uh, but anyway next time uh, I mentioned 1982's Night Orchid in the first review being and it's this wild and colorful swordplay fantasy as well as the ghost hill and I think it's a cool little movie so I thought we might take a chance next time we record an episode to share our thoughts on that Adam Cheng, Bridget Lin starver. And uh, so, Night Orchid for the first review next episode. And we also had a listener request. Uh, you know, finally, we're getting some feedback on 15 episodes in on Taiwan War. And uh, we are going to cover a movie I'm not familiar with, so it's a blank slate for me. It's directed by Ulysses Ao, a.k.a. Tsai Young Min, director of The First Aerostep and The Country of Beauties that you and I looked at. You know, the wonderful Elsa mm-hmm. Young. We, we didn't need it. How can you forget? So we had a suggestion from Andrew in California to cover the greatest plot from 1977. Uh, It's a movie that he he said he he was kind of freaked out and scared of as a a child. And uh, somewhere else it's described as having a strong cast of uh, great uh, Kung Fu warriors. Uh, and also there are a number of scenes bordering on the surreal, made more so by spooky sound design and some eerie background music. So why not? Why not? It might suck balls.
1: Well, it is, it's is—it's the greatest plot, though. You have to keep that in mind. It's not the the mediocre plot or the... Run of the I hate that, that
0: movie. The yeah, that book,
1: one was just kind of eh, yeah. That is the
0: greatest plot. So when you're out of uh, out of the book launch, then hopefully we can get. Uh, are you doing a book tour as well?
1: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, maybe maybe around the internet. I don't know if I'm going to be doing a, a, any kind of events anywhere else. But definitely, it looks like we're going to be doing something that. Uh, At lost weekend video here in the san francisco mission district on september 21st that's the idea i can have some indian food and you know some cool music some cool film clips the author todd statman will be there to sign parts of your body or even the book if if you should desire that so so anyway that's the plan
0: and for a mere $20, you can have your picture taken with Todd because you, you'll be as famous as these uh, convention uh, people that you have to pay to have a picture yeah, taken Yeah,
1: exactly. It's just like going on one of those uh, one of those uh, sea cruises with Rick Springfield. Or, you know, something <laughs> like, <you know>. It'll <laughs> be exactly
0: thing. like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you're
0: a musician. You can play. You have yeah, a little unplug, unplugged session going on. there. I'll rock the house, yeah. Good on yeah. you. Uh more on that, uh, uh I'm sure we'll hear Todd speak of his uh, book adventures uh, later on in this series, unless they're a total nightmare and uh, not for public consumption. But <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: unless they yeah, unless they they become a shameful secret. Right on. Which but, could uh, happen.
0: It could happen. It could happen. Uh, you'll get a mention in on the uh, of the book again in the contact information. Let's do that really quickly. Uh, this has been Taiwan War on the Podcast on Fire Network. Yeah, Fire.com. Check Taiwan War out. Well, you are if you're listening to this, but we have other shows and bonus episodes on there as well. Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash network. Uh, Join the discussion group to check out Updates and uh, general chat uh, Amidst uh, members and co-hosts Type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box Or follow the link on our page Twitter.com forward slash Podcast on Fire Follow our tweets, tweet us My writing, I do Hong Kong movies, I do Taiwanese movies I do Richard Harrison movies And I laugh at the exploitation That uh, (laughs) (laughs) made. They they exploit Richard Harrison I laugh every time because I'm that kind of guy uh, but I review and write that sogoodreviews.com and video review at sleazykvideo.com and tweet at twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. Rate and subscribe, Taiwan Noir on iTunes. And if you like the show, please leave a written comment and uh, share, uh, share what you thought of the show. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Stitcher is the place to go if you want to stream Taiwan War. I would do that on their uh, website. But you can also download the application to your iPhone, iPad or Android and type in... Taiwan War, once you've done so, in their little uh, search uh, function, and add us to your favorites. That way, and finally from me, the blog Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles and the specific links to Taiwanese movies uh, by Jesus Perez Molina, very well-researched and informative if you're interested in that kind of thing. Uh, again, we'll start with the book. What is it called? When is it coming out, my friend?
1: It's called The book is called Funky Bollywood uh the Wild World of 1970s Indian Action Cinema. Mm-hmm. And it will be coming out right now. We're saying the official release date is September 21st. And hopefully I'll be able to make that. We're kind of crushing it right now, trying to get it all done in time. Uh, so that's that. And and uh if you want to have updates on how it's all going, you can check out my blog, Die Danger, Die Die Kill dot com and that's where i review all manner of crazy world cinema i just posted a review of a south indian film called lady james bond which is pretty cool and did what's a, that about hmm. uh yeah right yeah it's a little high concept isn't it um that's a pretty great one um and uh, when you go there you can also find links to my Facebook page uh, my radio my internet radio show pop offensive, my Twitter account uh, you know and the and the 40k monthly movie shoutdown which is where we tweet along to movies every month all that good stuff so mm-hmm. so one stop shopping
0: indeed so uh, check that link out in the show post and uh, for now this has been Taiwan north fifteen and when we come back. Hopefully uh, you'll be sane after your uh, book uh, book shenanigans, I was about to say, but hopefully you'll be sane and energetic to uh, continue discussing the wild world of Taiwanese cinema. So uh, uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been Kennedy, and uh, with me was Todd Statman. So good luck, my friend, and uh, hope to pick up the book. I'm genuinely interested in the book. I'll probably actually pick it up just because <laughs> that's like cool. I don't know anything about that. And I can read it on the shitter as well. So great. Right.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Or I can read it to you, you know, over <laughs> Skype. Or- God, like that. tell me a story.
0: <laughs> well, there was this movie called Lady James Bond.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah.
0: So, right on. Thank you, everybody. Bye, bye. Thank you, buddy.